Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Bat Flips and Maple Dips. My name is Clayton Croker, coming to you from the Paris of the Prairies, Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Thanks for listening, wherever that may be, on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Tune in. Thanks for the follows on the social media, uh, at BFMD Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We have a ton to get to this episode. It's going to be ridiculous. Uh, we're going to talk some hockey. We're going to talk some Dodgers Astros, which was a ridiculous series. A um, bunch of COVID stuff, and of course, uh, some Jay stuff too. After all, it's a Blue Jays podcast. Uh, first, though, round the horn with the boys. Justin Anderson, how's she going, bud? Doing well, you know. Uh, just rushed home on the bus just one to rush a bus to get here looking forward to this episode we've been uh kind of storing up a week of content i mean the jays had some days off so we had some other things to focus on but i know uh, i know it's going to be action packed i'm looking forward to it before we get to patrick um taking the bus how bad is that in saskatoon like if you don't know saskatoon some of the worst public transit in canada and that's why bike lanes did like bike lanes didn't work here and ottawa and ontario we got chirped super bad for it but like how bad is transit here Dude, I actually don't mind it for my area as I live like way on the east side. So it's like far from downtown. The bus ride used to be like 35 minutes. And I've added like a rapid transit thing where it skips like most of it. So I can get like downtown in like 25 minutes. Oh, like, wow. It's a direct line. Oh, and, like, I don't have to transfer anymore. Like I just get on the bus and get off like a block away from my office. So um, people give it a bad rap. But like when I was in university, I took the bus everywhere. man. like grocery store, parties, like. I rarely drove my car. Like my car is eight years old and it barely has eighty thousand kilometers on it. Like I didn't drive. <laughs> I love the bus actually. I have no complaints about Saskatoon. I think other people just uh, it's one of the things we like to complain about. But I mean, when you got a river running through a city, you can't make something super efficient. So I'm I'm happy that we have it because it's saves me having to pay for parking. All I get at work are texts about how bad transit is, how bad the bike lanes are, how bad everything is. It's just, if you have a chance to look at a radio station text inbox, do it. It's hilarious. <laughs> um, Patrick Marsh joining us in the imagine. Maritimes in uh, Nova Scotia. How's it going, bud? It's going fantastic and beautiful Halifax, Nova Scotia. God, I love this city. See, we got everything covered. We got the uh, we got the east, we got the west. That's what I love about this podcast. Um, Patrick, public transit in Halifax. Why not? Let's get you in on this. Here we go. Um, I only have nothing but like nice things to say about the Halifax transit system. Um, it's all run by the municipality, as ninety nine percent of all transits are. Um, I don't have a problem with it because I do my research ahead of time and i know almost all the routes that i could possibly ever need to use and i yeah i just i know my stuff and personally there are a few instances where you know the bus driver didn't exactly uh you know pull away as slowly as he could have uh and there's been times where i've nearly fallen on my face uh, or gotten hurt uh, because the bus drivers were, were reckless. But um, I will say, like, overall, I think it's great. The city has started to add in bike lanes, uh, and it's getting better. I think there's still more work to be done. But Halifax has modernized very quickly in the time that I've been here. A lot of uh, large buildings are going up what feels like overnight in the downtown core area. Uh, for me, it's not really a problem because I live in what's known as central Halifax. So it only takes, um, it's a 40 minute walk for me to get to my job, which is way, way in the south end of like the downtown core. Um, but I can get anywhere I need to go by bus and it's a piece of cake. What a detailed description of the Halifax <laughs> transit system. Like that was, <laughs> like, is this sports center? We're like going in depth with replays here. That was, Wow. Um, before we get to baseball, let's talk hockey first, guys. Uh, Justin, other than the Leafs series, because obviously you're a diehard Toronto fan, uh, what's the series that you've loved watching so far? Because all of them have been good. Yeah, the only other one I've actually watched, uh, one of my buddies at the office is a huge uh, Panther fan. Somehow a guy from Humboldt becomes a Florida Panthers fan. So we've been watching that one in the office when they've been playing, and it was nice to see them get a win, but I've really liked uh, watching. I haven't, I haven't watched the games live yet, but the highlights of the Predators Coyotes series, like 
Our boy, Saskatoon's own Darcy Kemper just stole the show today. So Darcy, man, killed it. Dude's a dude's a badass. I got some buddies at work who are uh, actually good friends with uh, with his family. Uh, so they're just loving. They were hooting and hollering every time he was making big saves today in the office. It was great to see. He grew up like three blocks away from my house. He went to goalie camps with me. Like he was right on the border of the Saskatoon Flyers and Saskatoon Bobcats. It was Taylor Street. I was on the east side of Taylor Street or whatever it was, and he was on the other side. So he always played for the Bobcats, and he was so good in Saskatoon minor hockey. Like, just sneaky good. He got really good around Pee Wee, and then it was like, man, then he went to Red Deer, and everyone was like, he's legit, and then lit it up in the HL. He just flew under the radar his whole career, and now he's playing super well. Like, that, that was the series I wanted to talk about. It's been a really good series. My Flames killing it against the Jets. But, uh, Patrick, what about you? What's been your favorite series? Well, uh, I've actually I've enjoyed all the ones that included Canadian teams, uh, especially Calgary and Winnipeg. That's the one I've... I think I've watched the most of, uh, and then second most, the, the Montreal-Pittsburgh series. And uh, before the playoffs started, I got myself an Edmonton Oilers t-shirt, a Winnipeg Jets t-shirt, a Calgary Flames t-shirt, and a Montreal <laughs> Canadiens hoodie. So I'm, I'm going to adopt all the Canadian teams except for the Canucks and the Maple Leafs uh, because I wasn't able to get uh, swag in time uh, for them. Uh, so I've been cheering on all the Canadian teams and it's kind of fun to be able to watch playoffs with no, you know, where it's not going to be stressful because my Red Wings are, you know, probably still quarantining at home. They're so bad. They're, yeah. And they're not going to get the number one pick either. So there's another kick in the groin for you too. Um, yeah. Yeah, go every Canadian team except for the Jets, because go Flames, go. Love the way the Flames are playing. The whole Kachuk, Shifley thing, did you guys know from the from the bat that that wasn't intentional? Like, really quick, Justin, yes. that wasn't intentional, hey? I haven't seen it, so I'm not sure what we're talking about. You haven't seen the Shifley injury where, like, he goes down and is, like, no. flailing on the ice? I have not. You haven't heard about this? Nope. Well, I live like... in a Maple Leafs bubble, buddy. Oh, wow. Typical. That is the most classic Toronto Maple Leaf fan thing to say. I didn't know one of the biggest storylines in hockey for two days because I just I just love the Leafs. Uh, who is who's even who's honestly, even like... Matthew Kachuk? I don't even know who that is. I'm a Leafs fan. Like I thought, were, I thought Kachuk played for Ottawa. Hey, oh, there's, there's two Kachuks. You're the worst. I hate you so much right <laughs> uh, now. Uh, either way, go Flames, go. Um, do you guys care about the other one? The like the other series, like the like the round robin ones of the top four teams. Have you want, seen any of those? I just want Boston to lose every game because I hate Boston so much. I can't watch those ones. Like the other games are great. Like it's such a playoff atmosphere. I felt, but Patrick, like those other ones aren't fun. Hey. Yeah, the ones with zero stakes. Uh, I would say like. They are entertaining. I know it's like playoff seating, but at this point, like, who gives a shit about playoff seating? <laughs> um, I saw the the Shifley thing live as it was happening, and even though I wanted Blake Wheeler to cave in <laughs> Matthew Chuck's face uh, when they fought, um, that was separate from what happened. I mean, anybody who saw that, there's no way Kachuk could have positioned his skate in a way that would have deliberately cut uh, Mark Shifley. It's ridiculous. I know Paul Maurice said it during the post-conference, and uh, the reason why he said that was because he's a good coach and he'll stick up for his players, uh, regardless of the circumstances. Um, but the truth is that there's no way that Matthew Kachuk would have been able to deliberately injure Mark Shifley in a, a, a busted-up play like that, especially with, with himself going down. Like That would have to be pre 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 planned there's just no way as for the jake muzzin injury oh my goodness i really hope uh hope he's okay it was that was really scary and it was weird because the crowd was there's no crowd so it was dead silent and everybody just kind of had to sit there and and wait and hope for the best which was what everybody was doing i've been on twitter players on the uh, talking i just checked on twitter apparently he's okay but he has to he has to like quarantine himself again because he left the bubble right to go to the hospital so he's gonna miss like two weeks regardless oh, of oh that sucks yeah yeah so they seem to make like the end of the next round for him to even play again this season which is i, I would say there he almost certainly has an injury that would that is going to keep him out of, of the lineup anyway um uh, just from the way that he you know hit the hit the ice and all that stuff yeah uh, um, they say he's okay 
So we'll see, I guess. What yeah, do I mean, you, what do you think of the Leafs so far, Justin? Uh, obviously, game one. I mean, man, Columbus just like they're such a good defensive team, but my God, do they play boring hockey? Like it's just yeah. not fun to watch. Like the old the old left wing lock. Yeah, I love it because Corpusalo is standing on his head, and I am a goalie, was, and I love seeing just underdog goalies steal the show. Sure, like he was on, he was standing on his head until like the end of the second period in mm-hmm. game two, when they, when Matthews finally scored that tip in, and then of course um, Tavares scored in the third, and then the empty netter. But like the Leafs were out shooting Columbus like twenty-five to eight at one point in the second period. Like he was absolutely just standing on his head for them and, and making some huge saves. But they they're a great defensive team, those Blue Jackets. So that could be a series that goes five games. Yeah. What, what about James Reimer too? What do you think of that for the Carolina Hurricanes? God, hey, like sweep Optimus Rhyme, he's back. Didn't Mrazic uh, start one of those games? I thought Mrazic was... I think he started game one, and uh, maybe game two, but I think they just randomly started Reimer. I was, like, super surprised when I saw him. Well, I mean, I guess if you're up 2-0, you you can afford to throw your backup out there just to get some experience. Yeah. Uh, Not that James Reimer needs experience, but, you know. I I think Flames fans were surprised to see Talbot over Riddick, but Talbot's been pretty good for the Flames. Like, he's made some pretty big stops. I think enough about Hawk. third Reimer on the back-to-back, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I was was cheering for the Jets, and, I like, I'm okay with whoever wins. I was hoping the Jets would win, but seeing Shifley and uh, Line uh, get knocked out of the first game with uh, injuries, and they're probably not coming back or they're going to come back and be ineffective. Um, I mean, I don't think this is really a reflection of the quality of this Jets team. Um, I think they're better than what they're playing. It's just unfortunate that, you know, if you took off uh, Goodrow and um, uh, Kachuk, for example, off the flames, they would be a lot weaker too. So, I mean, for what it is, the series is still interesting, but it's not going to be, uh, it's not going to be uh, right down to the wire, I think. Yeah, but on the other hand, fuck the Jets. Go Flames, go. Um, let's get to some big stories in baseball, though. Um, the LA-Houston series, let's start there because that was crazy. Um, what was your impression of the whole Joe Kelly thing and just everything that transpired afterwards? Patrick, we can start with you. Um, well, first of all, I think the bigger story out of this series is the fact that Jose Altuve... Uh, Brett Alex Bregman and uh, George Springer went 0 for 21 in the in the two games set with the Dodgers. Both of them were Houston losses, which is great. Obviously, that's something we could cheer for. Um, but I, I I think the Astros just got exposed. Clearly, if they're not cheating, uh, you know they can't face elite pitching and an elite team and be able to pull out the win. Um, that being said, all the foolishness with Joe Kelly and all that. I mean, yeah, I'm good with I'm good with you know Astros getting plunked, but man, the theatrics behind this were just insane. Can't believe it. I loved it. Like the photos afterwards, like the memes that are gonna come from this. Like, Justin, do you love this? Like, even as an umpire, when things get out of hand, like talk about it from that kind of perspective too. Like, what were the ums thinking at this situation? Uh, when when those was, was Joe Kelly was just wild as hell, but he he was like, by the end of it, he was intentionally wild. But as an umpire, you can see this stuff happening, and you're listening to the catcher and the batter trip each other a little bit, and you're just like, oh god, please god, don't let anything stupid happen. And then the stupid stuff happens. Um, but my my umpire feelings were overwhelmed by my hatred for the Houston Astros, so I personally kind of liked it. Um, <laughs> the fact that Joe Kelly got eight games which in a 60-game season is like the equivalent of like 24, 25 games. Yeah. Uh, almost. Like, it's like 20-game suspension. And the, all the jokes is obviously like it's more than any Houston Astro ever got sus- or ever got suspended for cheating. Mm-hmm. Um, and he didn't even actually hit anybody. So, uh, you know what? It is what it is. I, I like that. Uh, I like that somebody – and. Um, Find that had to be Joe Kelly because his facial expressions afterwards were hilarious. But <laughs> yeah, um, the whole thing is just—it's pretty comical in the end of it. And I'm—I'm I'm glad, I'm glad nobody got hurt in the end. And but it's still—I'm still kind of glad it happened. So like, <laughs> I know that 
eight games seems like a lot, but at the same time, like he did throw at the guy's head. I agree that eight games was way mm-hmm. too much. I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Oh yeah, because throwing sure. at someone's head is very serious. Like it is like okay, man, don't like throw at my knee, throw at my gut, don't throw at my head, man. That's dangerous. So I get it, but at the same time, like Manfred was roasted for this decision, and he's just getting roasted 24/7. So like, how do you think this is going to affect Manfred, Patrick? Like in the long run. Is this going to have any effect on it, or is it? does anything at this point have an effect because he's done such a bad job? Uh, well, yes to that last statement, but I get, I, the last thing I would just want to say uh, on this topic at all is that the Astros got off super light, and I'm looking forward to watching the team struggle uh, now and in the future. So, Justin, what do you think about the whole COVID weekend series being canceled? Because the Jays were supposed to play on the long weekend. A lot of people looking forward to that at the lake watching Jays ball. Doesn't happen. So, what do you think of these cancellations? What do you think of the like solution that baseball has uh, to make up these games? Like In general, what do you think of this? Well, I mean, it, it, was, it was inevitable that something like this was going to happen. Obviously, the whole Marlins thing. Uh, they should be allowed to play again soon, I think. Uh, and then we've got the Cardinals, where those guys went to a casino. Like, come on, guys. Like, come on. Come but then on. we've also got, like, this whole Philadelphia thing, where they actually, in the end, no players ended up getting it on the Phillies, and they think that maybe those two staffers were maybe even false positives. But, I mean, the precautions were in place for a reason. They took precautions. Nobody tested positive for, like, four or five days, whatever it was. Then they could resume playing. They, I think they played New York yesterday even the Phillies did um a doubleheader today I thought they're doing seven inning doubleheaders it's a lot easier to make those games up when you're playing four less innings in a day and like the traditional doubleheader too right like 30 minutes between games I love that um I don't know I kind of think that we're gonna see more of this as the season goes along I'm really surprised that uh other like Florida, Texas, California teams haven't picked up COVID yet. As obviously those are like the big areas right now. But I kind of like what they're doing to as a, as a solution, and hopefully we can get most of our baseball games in. Patrick, what do you think about the ideas to uh, fit all the games in because of these series being canceled? Because again, it's it's four or five games, which in a sixty game season is a big deal. Uh, yeah, I mean, I love the idea of the game being seven innings long and, and being able to have back-to-backs um, with a 30-minute you know, thirty minute break in between. I feel like it just goes to show they could have played more games this season instead of just 60. They probably could have gotten in doubleheaders, you know, every day. And, we are, and at least right. given us a 100-game season because with 60 – I've said this before, and I know it's a stupid mathematical comparison, but every game feels like it's equal to three games. So for the Jays right now, who are three and five as of this recording, uh, it feels more like we're nine and 15, which is a feels bad uh, because obviously we were hoping out of the gate we would compete this year, but uh, not looking too, too good, boys. We still got time. We got maybe another week and a half. Until we start being like, okay, well, let's look at next year, shall we? Um, do you guys want to talk about this Jonas Cespedes thing? Like how we just basically said, peace, I'm out of here, but like didn't tell the team. And then the next day was like, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm, I'm out. Like, how do you, who do you think is like, do you think he's in the wrong here by just bailing on his squad, Patrick? Yeah, 100%. It's a one, it's completely respectable for him to sit out the season and all that stuff, but. Maybe let your team know before you bail on yet yeah, the hotel. Like he literally, they went to check his room and he was there was nobody there. It was a ghost town. There was nothing happening. Justin and then Justin, how did you see this? Like, were you kind of like, okay, Cespedes, is this is greasy, or was it kind of more like funny and like, okay, I understand, kind of thing. <laughs> it's kind of funny because it's Cespedes, but at the same time, Patrick's totally right. Like, if you're gonna go somewhere. And you're like in a hotel in quarantine. <laughs> you gotta tell your team, man. Like you at least tell, like, like knock on your neighbor's door, be like, "Hey, bro, I'm I'm leaving. Just let let the manager know, right? Like, do something." Like, the fact that he just like threw down that cloud of ninja smoke and just peaced out is pretty hilarious. <laughs> so. 
Like every guy on the team has like a best friend that they just tell everything to. Like just tell that guy, be like, man, I'm out. Tell the boys, you know. He just literally didn't tell anybody. It was everyone was just like, uh, we don't know where this Probably guy like is. In their uh, in their hotel rooms playing Warzone, you know. He could have been like, hey, party chat boys, I'm gone. And then <laughs> how many? How many more guys do you think are going to opt out, Patrick? Like, do you think this is going to be a, a weekly or daily kind of thing? We're going to see more guys dropping out? The trend that we're seeing is that it's a lot of the older veteran players who are opting out. So Lorenzo Cain, uh, who I mentioned before, uh, way back in the offseason, 100,000 years ago, uh, as a potential outfield uh, player for us, uh, he opted out. And uh, Cain is 34 years old, which is the same age as me. Uh, which is depressing, but um, he he opted out too. And I think I think older players it makes sense uh, because they have a better appreciation for what matters. <laughs> While the younger players are like get, are probably full of piss and vinegar, to, they want to prove themselves. Especially this Jays team who are very young. Uh, at least the uh, the fielders are. Maybe not so much the pitchers, but yeah. I mean, I think we'll see a good 10% of the league opt out between now and the end of the regular season. If it continues. Do you think that's an accurate, do you think that's an accurate number, Justin, 10% of players opting out or is that a little high? I don't know. I kind of think that if the people who have opted out at this point, I don't think we're going to see too many more. I think the opt out period is kind of like, you know, the first week of the season. I feel like we're going to see most guys stick around now. Like, do they have a deadline where guys have to opt out? I know the NFL gave their players until like tomorrow or something to choose. So I don't know if, the, if baseball is doing that, but I'm kind of curious. Does anybody know? Not a clue. No. Yeah. Uh, let's but get yeah, to some. Uh, it's a little bit, little bit high. Let's get to some good news and some bad news here. Uh, the good news: Mike Trout had a baby. Cute little Instagram photo of his kid. Uh, I forget <laughs> the name. I don't know. It's... Uh, uh, Beckham, Beckham. And Trout. Not a bad yeah. name. Call him Beckham. Cool little modern name, I guess. You don't see too many like Hanks or Garys or Gords anymore. Hey, it's all like Beckham and Jaden and Ajax and all that stuff. No more. <laughs> and again, we need to bring like Hank and Gary back. Those are good quality names right there. Anyway, um, congrats to Mike Trout. That's the good news. But the bad news, Mike Soroka tearing his Achilles. I don't know about you. I was heartbroken. That sucks. I was so sad for the guy. Goes out there on opening day and plays awesome. And, like, the Braves are so excited about this guy. I'm just thinking about Canadian baseball-wise. Like, we have Paxson. We have Soroka. A bunch of other good young guys. And, like, hopefully he comes back. Like, that's bad news. We wish him well because that was a bad-looking injury. Um, Justin, any more on that? Because what do you think it hurts? What do you think it does to the Braves season specifically? Oh, man. It makes it really tough for them. The fact that they, like, Mike, like Fulte Nevitz or however the hell you say his name, they had to say they sent him down to the minors too because he's just been looks sick. Awful. He just looks like just terrible. He looks like he's just lost all of his weight. But the fact that they don't have those two guys now, and that they didn't really sign anybody in free agency, like they they were going to go after Patrick Corbin. Of course, they didn't get him obviously. Um, but I think the big thing for them is that yeah, they just have to really dip into their minor league system now. Uh, and, and on Soroka, too. I mean, the guy is such a good dude. He comes back. Like, he's from the Calgary area, right? He comes back every year to Okotoks and uh, run, help, helps out with baseball camps, like, all, like, in the offseason, like, in the early uh, early fall, that kind of thing. So he's just a good dude. You love to see it. I hate to see the hurt injury. Anything else on the Soroka situation, Patrick? And just that division in general, like, with the Braves and the Nationals and everything else is going on in there? I mean... The Bra- it's still the Braves to lose, even without Soroka and, and uh, Fulte. Um, the Nationals are off to a rocky start. Uh, the Mets are off to a terrible start. The Phillies haven't really played. They only have one win. Um, and uh, the Marlins are 2-1, and one, and who knows when they get back <laughs> to it. But I just think, like, I don't know what's going to happen because what happens if the Marlins miss a bunch of games? If we're going by win percentage, it'll be easy for them to easier for them to win the division, right? Because the more games you play, the more likely you are to lose. Yeah, exactly. exactly. What they're gonna they're gonna have to set some minimums. Yeah. They're gonna have to do something because again, like 
a bunch of series have already been canceled. Like, I know it's only maybe like three or four, but that's a lot in a 60 game season. Like, that has a big impact because if it's within one or two games and it's just a nail biter, like, who are you going to give it to? Like, both teams deserve it. And you just kind of have to go with a silly rule, I guess. Um, before we start getting into the Jays, because again, Jays podcast, got to focus on the Jays here. Um, most surprising player in the league so far. It's an early season, but um, Justin, who's been most surprising to you? Uh, Nick Castellanos, um, obviously went to Cincinnati in the off season and the guy's got six homers in 11 games. Um, he said he's batting like, like 400 or something right now. Always a solid bat. Like when he played with the Tigers and then, uh, last year when he went to, I think it was the Cubs that he traded to. Yeah. The Cubs, but he's just off to a red hot start. And that, that Reds team is kind of fun. Like they got Trevor Bauer who, is doing about as well on the mound as he is on Twitter right now, which is like really, really good. And the guy is killing it on social media. Fucking love his shit. But <laughs> sorry, mom. But he's uh, Castellanos is just on a tear. So it's it's cool to see uh, Cincinnati like be relevant again. Patrick, who is uh, your most surprising player of the league so far? I'm going with Donovan Solano in San Francisco. Uh, right now he's slashing 457, 474, 657, which is wild uh i had to google him because i had no idea who he was and apparently he was out of mlb from 2016 to 2019 uh i have no idea where he was i didn't really have a chance to go in depth uh looking at what happened to him um but he came back in 2019 and hit 330 in 81 games last year for the giants and it's just to me it's very strange to see a player in their 30s come out of nowhere be out of mlb for three years and then across a hundred games be hitting like almost 400. Like what's going on? Why is no one talking about this guy? I'm going to sound like a Homer here because it's a blue Jays podcast, but I'm saying to Oscar Hernandez because I expected very little from this guy going into the season. I kind of thought he was a bubble player for the Jays, and he's proved me wrong. So I'm uh, going to dedicate this beer I'm having to, to Oscar Hernandez for proving me wrong. Like, congratulations. You're having a heck of a year. Four dingers, six RBIs. Like, he's batting 313, and he's getting on base and just being a good baseball player. Like, before, he's never looked like this kind of baseball player, like where he's just in it and he just looks so smooth. Now he does. And to Oscar Hernandez, glad he's on our team. Like, he's only going to get better. So... Eating my words. He's been playing great. Uh, but you know who's not playing great? The Jays right now. Uh, let's get into it a little bit more because started that Nat series all fine and dandy. Um, we beat him 5-1. Rourke was good. Everything was going fine. But after that, it just kind of went downhill. What do you guys think of those two losses, the 4 nothing and the 6-4 to end that series? Let's start with you, Justin. Sure. Uh, I love it in our sheet here. Patrick puts the box score in and he puts a uh... – a sad, frowny face. A Microsoft Paint on, uh, unsmiling yeah, face. On uh, <laughs> Shun Yamaguchi's line of one inning pitched, four runs, three earned, yeah, he blew two it. walks. Yeah, yeah, blew it. Uh, that's like the that sums up that game pretty well. I mean, Nate Pearson's first start, kid looks great. Goes he obviously is a little a little bit wild in that first thing again, but he was painting knees with ninety nine by the end of that outing. And the guys were talking, like uh, Dan and Buck, they're saying, like, he kind of reminds them a little bit of, like, a Justin Verlander who kind of starts the game, like, 94, 95, and by the eighth inning, he's throwing 98, like, just yeah. kind of ramps up as the game goes along. Um, I think as that arm gets loose, he just, like, has a little bit more in the tank, he gets more comfortable, settles in. But it was really good to see a debut like that. That was about as good of a debut as we could hope for. I mean, a couple walks, but for sure, kids first start. Two hits, two walks, five strikeouts over five innings. You'll have to see that. Patrick, what did you think of the Jays going from that really positive game? Again, Vladdy hit his first homer. It looked like he was turning things around. It was a fast game, too. It just kind of flew by. And then all of a sudden, it just goes to, like, this is not the Blue Jays team we're used to, and the bullpen's not pitching well. Like, what were, what was going through your mind the last two games there in that series? Uh, it was hard not to kind of tilt at it uh, and just kind of go berserk. Um, we'll talk about it later in the show uh, if we get a chance. But in essence, there's a lot of positives to look at here. Um, the Jays were able to split a series with the Nationals, uh, who are the world champions. And uh, for my money, they are the best team uh, in baseball. 
uh, even though their record right now doesn't reflect it. They're built to win right now, and they have everything they need to do it. Um, point blank, uh, Shun Yamaguchi blew that game for us. He should have had no business pitching in uh, the 10th inning. Uh, I don't know all the circumstances as far as why he was there. I personally blame uh, Charlie Montoyo more than Sean Yamaguchi on the circumstances because they should have known after he faced three batters to get him out of there. Instead, they forced uh, a full inning out of him, and it ended up costing us the game. Um, I'm really concerned with uh, Juan Jin Ryu, and I really hope tonight he has a comeback because uh, he looked absolutely atrocious in that uh, six to four loss uh, in our seventh game of the season. I'm concerned, um, but uh, again, there are positives to take from this. Uh, both Thomas Hatch and Jacob Wagaspack were out there absolutely dealing. Both of them have been incredible out of the pen or Hatch is the opener, whatever. Um, nothing but positive things to say about both of them. And I think they'll continue to impress uh, throughout the year. And then we get to the Atlanta series. Unless you guys want to talk about anything else with that national series. Because, again, like a lot of stuff happened. There was a lot of highs and lows. Like anything else you want to touch on in that series, Justin? Uh, I think we I think we about covered it. Just definitely the high start. Obviously, we played four, won the first two, and then lost our two, quote-unquote, home games. Yeah. Um, <laughs> weird. But, uh, yeah, no, I think, we, I think we covered enough of that. So the start of the Braves series was bad because, again, Shoemakers looked great, like in the start of the series, in the start of the season, and he just, he just didn't look great in that game. And I think expectations are high for him now. Like I don't know about you guys, but when Shoemaker gets to the mound, are you guys expecting like a really quality game? Like you're expecting to win that game, right? Yeah. Yes. Like I think yeah, so too. So that's what made it so disappointing during that game because, like, yeah, six hits, three walks, only struck out two, but yeah, like the three home run thing, like. He was just kind of leaving the ball up in the zone. Like the thing is, Yamaguchi. The, yeah, it was just it just wasn't great. But my boy Anthony K. He was the lone bright spot. I've been saying it since like the little yeah, mini spring training. Start. Anthony K.'s off to a bright spot. What's uh, what do you guys think his future is with the team? Like immediate future and long term here. Let's start with you, Patrick. Immediate. He's going to be a rock solid seventh or eighth inning guy for us. I know right now. They're just feeding guys as many innings as they can, trying to keep the start short for the pitchers, keep them, you know, healthy and and ready to roll. Um, but again, just like uh, Jacob Wagus Pack, just like um, Thomas Hatch, just like um, Anthony Bass, just like Jordan Romano, our our pen has looked very very strong, and Anthony K is going to be a cornerstone in that for a couple years. He's supposed to be a starter. I think he will get his chance. It's just not going to be in the next year or two, which is fine. Get him ready, coming out of the pen, having pitched about 100 innings a season out of the pen. I, I think he's he's going to be a, a real top-class pitcher for us for a long time. Justin, Anthony K, go. My dream Anthony K scenario right now is Nate Pearson goes five, six innings, and Anthony K can go like two to three behind him. Oh, I like that. That's a, that's oh, a yeah. good compliment. Hey, you get that, that is a good idea. Righty. And then they could kind of a greasy curveball, really good locator lefty. And especially if the other team starts a lot of lefties against Pearson, it'll force them to either make changes or play a lot of uh, poor matchups against Kay, who does really well against left-handed batters. I never That's thought nice. of something like that. That's a really good idea. Um, what about the the middle of our lineup in that game? Because Bichette, Biggio, Guriel, Hernandez, they were two, two for 15, no RBIs. Like, they weren't having a great game does that worry you going forward knowing that like the guys we expect in the middle of that lineup that they're not really performing in that bit because again this was a pretty big game when you think about it and max freed is like a future star in this league the fact that really nobody could solve him is not surprising to me um i think that's just a case of like going up against a good pitcher. We see it when we face guys like the Verlanders and the Kershaws. Good pitchers just win battles more often than not, and I think that's what we saw here. Do those four guys struggling yesterday worry you at all, Patrick? Like, do you think this is anything to worry about in the future? Yep, they're my number one concern right now when it comes to the team at large, and I think 
that if those guys don't start hitting, you know, even if as a baseline 240 and start uh, cashing in runners in scoring position, if they don't do that, we're going to lose a lot of baseball games very quickly. We'll be out of this within a week and a half. I wouldn't worry about Bo Bichette. I think he'll figure it out just fine. I think maybe the same with T. Oscar, too. I think he'll be just fine. But uh, Guriel and Biggio, again, like, Kavon, he got off to a great start, but he hasn't been, he hasn't been playing well at the plate lately. Uh, Guriel's had his games, but, yeah, those two guys I'm worried about. The other two, not so much. Um, right now we want to focus on one specific guy who a lot of Blue Jays fans have been talking about, uh, Vladdy Jr. He's been struggling. Went two for three. Uh, against the Braves in Game 1, but still struggling for the most part. Um, Justin, you saw some tweets online that um, might be the reason why Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is struggling. Yeah, so Eric Cross, who writes for Fantrax, which is a fantasy baseball site, uh, he posted some analysis on just some numbers from Vladdy. So the, the things for Vlad is that he is hitting the ball very hard, like his exit velocity is in the 93rd percentile of big leaguers right now. Um, the biggest problem for him is this launch angle, which is only four degrees. Right now, like the optimal launch angle in today's baseball is somewhere around like 16. Um, so Vladdy is like not, he's in the ball basically straight into, straight into the damn ground, which is resulting in a 72% ground ball rate. For reference, his ground ball rate last season was 49. So it's ticked up quite a bit. And 49 is still way too high, by the way. Um, and those two doubles that he hit yesterday, both on the ground. So just that the fact that he hit him up the line is the only reason they ended up going for a, a base hit. Um, and he's also not very fast this season. He's in the 16th percentile of sprint speed, which, big oof. Um, but again, he's got the raw power. He just needs to make some small tweaks, somehow get that ball lifted. The swing that he hit the home run ball on in Washington was the type of swing that Vladdy needs to hit. It, he didn't hit it very high, but he hit it so freaking hard. Uh, and that's what he needs to do. The, for Vladdy, it's, he's never going to be like a, a moonshot here, like a guy like uh, Edwin Encarnacion always has been. He's a line drive home run here. Like that ball's going to go 0 to 60 in like a matter of like 0.5 seconds off that bat. So I think if he gets the launch angle up, um, he'll be a consistent hitter for years to come. To be fair about the speed, um, no one expects Vladdy to be fast anyway. Like, look <laughs> no. at the guy. He is a truck. So, like, if anyone's <laughs> going to be sitting there being like, oh, I wish he was faster, okay, like, shut up. Look at him. Yeah. Like, we didn't get he him to steal boy. bases. He's not Ricky Henderson. We got him to hit some dingers, okay? And he's looking like Prince Fielder out there, and I like it. <laughs> uh, let's get to some who's hot, who's not, a classic segment here on Bat Flips and Maple Dips. we played enough games now where we can do it. Uh, Patrick, you start. Uh, who's hot on the team and one of these guys we kind of already talked about? Yep. Uh, number one on the list this week is Teoscar Hernandez. Uh, he's had a great start to the season so far. Four home runs, six RBIs, hitting a 313 with an OBP of 343. So he is getting some walks in there. Uh, he's still struck out 10 times uh, so far in his 32 at-bats, which is at least lower than 30%, but not really by much. Um I think he's just making hard, solid contact right now, and he is the only Jay that we can say that about. He's getting the extra base hits, and uh, I, this is great. This is exactly what we wanted to see from Teoscar Hernandez, so good for him. Uh, the other guy is Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Uh, he's hitting 308 right now. Uh, his OBP is actually less <laughs> than his batting average, which <laughs> <laughs> you hate to see it, but... This is about what we expected as far as his batting average goes. Uh, he's demonstrated a little bit of power, um, but I'd like to see a little bit more consistency. He is striking out 27% of the time. So, again, our two best hitters uh, for the seven games or eight games uh, where we have calculated statistics, uh, their strikeout rates are almost one in three, which is no bueno. Justin, do you have anyone to uh, add to the hot list here or no? Um, I would look at our, our, our bullpen in, in this situation. Uh, my old friend, Mr. Jordan Romano, has looked very good this season. Uh, he has not given up a run yet in four innings of work, and he has struck out uh, six batters over that time and only walked two, which for him is a, is a big improvement over what we saw last season. So I want to give some props to him. 
Let's get to some hitters who are not so hot here. Uh, Justin, we'll start with you here. Um, who on the Jays has kind of been a little iffy? And again, one of these guys we've already kind of talked about. Yeah, uh, Rahudi Telez and Kevin Biggio. So both guys hitting 182 on base of 240 and 250 respectively. Um, for Biggio, he's still taking his walks. He's got three walks, which is actually lower than we would expect out of him. Uh, but he's got a couple of dingers. Obviously, those are both early in the season. I think really he, he's being a way too patient at the plate. He's known for having such a good eye. And, and I think, I don't know, Buck and Dan seem to think that guys who have a good eye get the borderline pitches called balls. But I think it's actually working against Cabin right now where he's taking some pitches that are just outside the zone. And the umpires are calling them strikes. I don't know if it's because he's a young player. He hasn't kind of earned their respect yet. Um, but for me, it's, I think he needs to be a little bit more aggressive. A lot of the time he's striking out because he's putting himself in bad positions by taking the first couple of pitches for strikes and then puts himself in a hole. I think he needs to go out there and look to attack that first pitch because because he is so patient, uh, pitchers are going to look to throw him something for a strike, like a lazy curveball or something, a get-me-over pitch to get ahead, and he can, he can take advantage of that. Patrick, what else do you have on those two guys, Rowdy and Kevin Biggio? Uh, well, I think Justin was pretty apt with his uh, with what he had to say. I still think that Biggio needs to stop whiffing um, and get a little more uh, patient. I want him to play his game at the plate. I know right now everybody is tr- like desperately trying to generate run support and there's been so many games where we've lost late in the game because of a lack of run support but I want Kavan to just play his game do what he needs to do with the plate be patient, the hits are going to come, I expect Kavan to hit 260 at least and I'd like to see his OBP flirt with 400 and I think he's capable of both of those things very easily Um, but I don't think as much pressure should be put on him to generate the runs uh, and to be the, you know, the big bopper in the lineup. He should be batting somewhere, you know, fifth or sixth, not necessarily like third or fourth. So, I mean, they're, they've been all over the lineup card this year anyway, just because I don't know if Charlie Montoyo uh, fully knows what he wants to do with the lineup right now, as far as putting everybody uh, in a certain place. I know tonight uh, Biggio's batting second. I, that's not a spot I'd be putting him, especially considering he's batting below 200 right now. Uh, and Guerrero's batting fifth. I mean, I don't see why Grichik isn't higher in this lineup. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Sometimes you don't like Grichik, though. I'm interested why you think Grichik should go higher when sometimes you kind of uh, roast him a little bit on the pod. Richick's a hotter bat. That's the thing is okay, that's I'm reasonable. okay with juggling your lineup uh, as long as it's justifiable because uh, the good hitters are hitting bad and the average hitters are hitting good. Right now, Grichik is hitting 308. I know it's based on fewer games than everybody else, but I'd rather see Grichik uh, higher up in the lineup than Biggio right now because he's struggling so much. There's so much pressure on him to hit. Same with Bo Bichette. There's so much pressure on those two guys to generate hits right off the bat that it's just, I think the the pressure is a bit much, and I think they need to settle down and just do what they're known for doing at the plate. Bichette, it's fighting pitchers to get those extra base hits, and for Kavan, it's being patient. Yeah, I think the people who are saying Bo is struggling, I mean, he's still hitting 240. He's he's kind of getting on, well, not really getting on base that much, but... He'll figure it out. He's a great baseball player. Uh, let's get to some hot pitchers here, Justin. Uh, other than Jordan Romano, the guy you said before, any other pitchers that you think um, deserve a little shout-out here? Um, yeah, Patrick's got it in here. Anthony Bass being probably one of the bigger surprises of our bullpen this season so far. Another guy who has yet to give up a, a, a run in four and four games, four and third innings. He's actually picked up a save since we lost our 98 miles Giles. Um, doesn't strike out a ton of guys, only one strikeout, but he's been generating so much weak content or weak content, weak contact. And you'll love to see that Anthony Bass is a spotlight guy for sure. Any other pitchers on the uh, hot list here you want to talk about Patrick? 
Yes, uh, but there are too many to name, so I'm just going to say that uh, this uh, the hot spot could belong to Thomas Hatch, Nate Pearson, AJ Cole, Jordan Romano, Jacob Waguspak, Tanner Rourke, Anthony Kay, or Trent Thornton, and I would be very happy. I picked Thomas Hatch because I love what he did uh, coming in relief in that one game and also uh, as the opener. He's got stuff. Man, He's if he can get it together and, and hold it, he'll be what I thought Thomas Pannone was going to be. Um, but shout out though to Nate Pearson getting five Ks in his first start. Thomas Very Hatch happy. hype train. Yeah, let's talk about yes. Nate Pearson for a bit more here, Justin. Because like, what did you, th- what do you think of his uh, his opening performance, and what do you think his future yeah. is right now? Like, like, did you expect that uh, performance on the first start? Because I don't want to say I told you so, but I said he'd go five innings and have five strikeouts, and that's exactly what happened. So yeah, that and like we we kind of mentioned it earlier in the show, but that's about the best we could have hoped for, right? I mean, young guy not fully built up in terms of throwing out there to throw 100 pitches in that first start of the season. Um, yeah, perfect, perfect outing, really, for Nate to start off his career against a great Washington team. The defending World Series champs, uh, minus Juan Soto, but still, he w- ma- managed to strike out five of them. He struck out the first battery face uh, in, in Trey Turner, a great, great baseball player. Um yeah, I think Nate Pearson, future number one starter on this team for hopefully many years to come. Yeah, you agree, obviously. Hey, Patrick, like that first performance was great. Yeah, I mean, he was he, he was tit for tat with uh, Max Scherzer, who um, for me is the best pitcher in baseball and has been for a long time. Uh, the thing is right now, like Jays fans, obviously a, li- a little bum because – Again, our, we should be better. Like, our record should be better. We've been playing mm-hmm. good, but it's just it just hasn't gone our way. Patrick, like, there's been negatives, but there's a lot of positives for the rest of the season, right? Absolutely. I mean, the thing we should focus on right now is that out of the eight games that we've played, four out of the five of them were lost because of one pitcher's performance. <laughs> which I know sounds like I'm levying he- very heavy criticism on these pitchers, and I am, but it, it's only five losses we're talking about. Gaviglio has now been downgraded to the taxi squad. Uh, Ryu will bounce back. He already has two Ks tonight against the Braves, although he's thrown a lot of balls. Uh, and Yamaguchi is one bad performance away from getting launched directly into the sun. <laughs> oh, my. So There it is. Yeah. So we don't need to worry so much about their stats right now. What we need to recognize is that four out of the five losses were winnable games where one pitcher just absolutely blew it and didn't have their stuff. Um, It is costly when it's a short season. But if you look at our bullpen performance right now, uh, we are a very underperforming team. We could easily be six and two very, very easily. Agreed. What do you think about the uh, rest of the season here, Justin? What's your uh, what's your perspective on this Jays team for the the rest of the shortened year? I'm really looking to see what we can get out of out of Pearson, K, and Hatch, and these other young guys that we're throwing out in these innings. Trent Thornton, right? I think that's actually going to be my highlight of the season is watching our young pitchers. I think if anyone's going to benefit from their short season, it's going to be these young guys because they're going to get their really their first taste. Of, of big league ball for a whole season. They're on the roster, most of these guys, for good, I, I would assume, um, based on the fact that they've performed so well at this point. Uh, and also, I, I really need to see steps forward from from our hitters, from guys like Danny Jansen and Vladdy um, and Teoscar Hernandez and hopefully guys like Anthony Alford and Derek Fisher, who is on the 10-day IL as of this afternoon, by the way, quad strain. Um, so McKinney's up. But we'll see. So we'll see a lot of McKinney, a lot of Alfred, probably in the next in the coming days. Interesting to see uh, if the, one of those two guys can kind of grab a spot, grab some more at bats. Everyone always talks about the Jays' young position players with Bichette and Biggio and Jansen and B and all those guys, Vladdy, obviously. Um, but before the season, no one was really talking about the Jays' young pitchers, and they, I'm mm-hmm. that's what I'm so excited for going forward. Nate Pearson and Anthony yeah. Kay, I can't wait to see these guys on the mound when they're out there. Um, 
Anthony Bass and Jordan Romano coming out of the pen have been awesome as well. Like, we got these four guys who it's very exciting to see these guys pitch. Going in, I thought it was just going to be classic Blue Jay baseball, hitting solo home runs and grounding into <laughs> double plays with runners in scoring position. But no, like, it's been it's been more I'm watching for these young pitchers. Like, I love Anthony K. I got a huge man crush, and I don't know. Like, that's what I'm watching for going down the stretches of the pitching. Go on, Patrick. No, I, I was just uh, I was just laughing at what you were saying. I think you know if you look at uh, who is on our bench tonight in terms of pitchers, there's a lot of guys who have uh, thrown donuts so far: Bass, Barucki, Cole, Hatch, Pearson, Romano, Wagaspack. All have zeros so far for their ERA. Mm-hmm. I know it's again we're on game nine. There's no reason to you know go berserk over this. But if you take out Shun Yamaguchi. Uh, and Wilmer Font, and then Matt Shoemaker for last night's debacle. Uh, man, our our pitching is as good as anybody's right now. Yeah, in the, the offense needs to step up. Yeah. Well, I think that's it, boys. Uh, Justin, unless you have anything else to add here, you want last word? Last word is ground ball. <laughs> you would, but Vladdy Vladdy's going to get out of this. Vladdy's going to get out <laughs> of this. I know. I just, I just, I'm, I'm nervous. Everybody hurts sometimes. Okay, REM. Here's um, a, I got a, a pop question for you guys. Just at the end of this, uh, if a team approaches you and offers you uh, an elite package, um, yeah, I went there. Elite package. Uh, they offer you an elite package, so you're getting an ace, another starting pitcher, um, a. Uh, a pair of bullpen arms and a top pitching prospect for Vladdy. Would you pull the trigger an hour or should we hold the line? No. Patrick Marsh was removed from the chat. Man. Yeah. Like <laughs> kick rocks, man. Scrap. <laughs> We're not getting rid of Vladdy. Like that. No, he's he's the best prospect ever. Like, kid. Oh, absolutely. I just, I, you know, you, you see stuff on Twitter and it just makes you think, well, I guess it doesn't make you think, but it's it's worth the yeah it's worth it's it's worth considering at the very least it's worth picking up the phone by the way guerrero hit a double um yay (laughs) go vladdy like no you know when you offer a trade in uh the show or chell or whatever and it's so lopsided and you get that nasty message popping up (laughs) saying like who do you think we are you know like that's that what that's what that deserved Uh, right there just the, um, no. Like, just that no. kind of response. Like, no chance. He would haunt our dreams for, like, the next 15 years. Uh, that's yes. it, boys. I think that's it. No, we're out of time. we got to wrap it up sometime here. Um, <laughs> thanks for listening wherever. Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher. Um, wherever you are in Canada, thanks a bunch. Thanks to the follows on Twitter, at BFMD Podcast. Tell your friends. Give us reviews. All that stuff. Uh, for Patrick, for Justin, my name's Clayton. We're out of here. Uh, who's got the goodbye song today? I saw it, and it's back. I got it, and I love it. Give me some disco. It is ABBA with Waterloo. Yes. Oh, God. Oh, boy. All right. Talk to you guys later. Go Jays. <laughs>